When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Can the Patriots make it back-to-back? Can they win two games in a row this season when they have three total? Chiefs coming to town on Sunday. We'll talk about that game. He's Greg Omnick. First episode is brought to you by FanDuel, exclusive wagering partner. The CLNS Media Network right now. New customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 Moneyline bet. Headlines, 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 Greg. There are lots of headlines when you have a sucky team because people talk and things are reported. So this week it was uh, Tom Curran, NBC Sports Boston. Tommy has been on the uh, beat for a long time, decades. And he reported earlier this week that Robert Kraft and company made the decision to part ways with Bill Belichick after the Colts game in Germany. So you have to go back to November We all know how that game ended. Game ends. Tommy says the conversations that he has had with people at that time around the situation said, it's going to happen. They're going to mutually part ways. Just going to wait until the end of the season. Just your initial thoughts on Tom's report before we get into what you have heard, what you know or don't know. Uh, First of all, I would say that there are um, few reporters around here that I respect more than Tom. I mean, really... Tom and Mike and and Karen, they're sort of my contemporaries on, you know, we've been, we've been covering the NFL for, you know, 20 years, over 20 years each. Um, And Tom is, is plugged in Tom, you know, when it comes to the background stuff with the franchise, um, you know, a lot of his reporting on Tom Brady and and his departure from the organization, um, Tom's, Tom's really good at that stuff. So when he says things like this, it definitely makes me pay attention. Um, I I will say that I have nothing to refute his report. Um, I have nothing to back up his report either. Uh, You know, I can only sort of give you my thoughts. And and obviously, once Tom reported this, I've been talking to as many people as I can to see if this is... um, if this is something to to be worried about, and sorry, I'm just um, muting my phone because I just got a text and it's distracting. Um, so, um, you know, there there are certain things that make me think that the report is correct. Um, do I think that? Do I think that in the craft's mind, like just Robert and Jonathan? Do I think after that game? That, you know, in the bye week was after that game. Do I think they went home and talked amongst themselves or talked amongst a very small circle and said, you know, where are we going with this? Yeah, probably those conversations took place. I mean, the the crafts aren't somebody who's going to be like, uh, we're going to make the decision to part ways with Bill Belichick, the best coach of all time. We're not going to arrive at that decision until January 8th, the day after the last game. And then we're going to make a decision and then it's over. No, this is something that's going to be 
discussed and talked about um, right. for for weeks leading up to that. Um, so, you know, do I think that the crafts amongst themselves uh, came to that decision or at least very strong leaning? Like, we know where this is going. We're going to have to part ways with Bill after the season. Yeah, I, you know, I probably think that. Um, you know, do I think that they are, do I think that they've like held a meeting with Bill to sort of start the process on this? No, I don't think that's, that's happened. Um, and, and I do think that, um, I think that Bill, when, the, when it comes time to meet with Robert after the season and Robert might go in there and Jonathan might build them up, they might be in there together and be like, all right, this is what we have to do. We have to stick to our guns. And do I think that the crafts, that's that's the way they're going. Yes, but do I think that it's just going to be that simple? That Kraft walks in and says, "Yeah, Bill, I think I think it's run its course here. We're gonna, you know, we're gonna go in a different direction." Not necessarily. I think that I think that Bill Bill's going to make an argument for himself. I think he's going to. I think there's going to be a lot of excuse making um, and things like that. Um, and I think the other big component of this, uh, well, I, we'll actually get into this in a second as far as, you know, Bill and, and his maneuvers and how he's going to handle this. But as far as the crafts, do I think they've made a decision amongst themselves to part ways with Bill after the season? Yes. Do I think it happened after the Colts game during that bye week? Most likely. But, you know, there was still the chance that they could run the table. I mean, they were 2-8 and eight at the time. Yeah, they could win seven straight and finish nine and eight and be in the playoff picture. And so, you know, do I think they made a definitive decision right then? No, but I think we all knew where this was going. And I think that could could things change? Absolutely. I, I think that I think that things could change. I don't know if they have changed, but I just think that I, I don't think that Robert wants to part ways with Bill at the end of the day. I really I really don't. I don't think he wants that on his resume, I, you know, after. Tom Brady left and won a Super Bowl and Bill could do the same thing. I, I, you know, I, and, and that Bill's so strongly aligned with the brand of the Patriots and the greatness. And it's sort of the allure for some, at least some fans that like, you know, Bill could get his groove back here and we could, we, we could win another title. Um, and, and I do think he's a really, really good game planner. Um, knows how, the team needs to play that week to beat that opponent. I don't think there's anybody better. Now, do I have issues with his personnel? Hell yeah. Do I have issues with his in-game coaching and decisions as far as fourth downs and things like that? Yes. Um, but Bill's still pretty damn good. So the bottom line is, do I think it's 100% set that Bill will no longer be the Patriots coach after the season? My gut tells me no. I, I don't think that's definitive yet. Just a couple things on the timeline here. Uh, November 1st, right around that time, was when Mike Florio came out, and all of this stuff started to pick up. Florio talking about within league circles, the whispers, all that stuff, the Washington commander's idea. That was November 1st. So you're talking about just around two weeks later where this decision was reportedly made that Krafts said enough is enough, we've got to move on. So that was around November 12th. Also, don't forget, Rob Ninkovich came out publicly and talked about how angry Jonathan Kraft was in the suite during that Colts yeah. game. And leading into that was the video seen around the world of yep. the Kraft having the conversation in the suite. 
So all of this is is very believable. Florio brings it up November 1st and says, people are talking. There's struggles going on. Belichick could be gone, and it would make some sense. Then you had the in-the-suite thing between the Crafts that we all saw, followed by the Colts game, which was a nightmare. Kraft, according to Ninkovich, kind of losing his mind in the box at that time. So you could certainly kind of put those pieces together and say the Crafts got to the point where they said enough's enough. You could believe that. Um, if it, if it is correct, and the Crafts feel like it's time to move on, a couple of questions for you, Greg. And you touched on this a little bit, but you didn't really dive deep into it. How much do you think has been figured out behind the scenes? That's my first question to you. If if this has been decided, and it's one of those things of like, hey, unless Bill Belichick does something crazy, like if they run the table and they they win those games by like an average of like two touchdowns, I don't know what it would take. But how much has been figured out? You said you don't believe they've approached Belichick, but do you think this is something where they're 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 doing what you said they should do, which is start making phone calls, start having conversations with people that have been within this program before? How much of that legwork has been done over the past month if this was decided a month ago? To this point, not much. Um, you know, I, I do think that, that some of those things um, – you know, might happen um, in the near future at some point. I think that um, the crafts are no dummies. They uh, they're very good, especially Robert. He loves he loves to talk to people. He loves to talk to smart people. He's going to make a well informed um, decision. So I think some of that will go on. I don't think it's gone on to this point, or at least there hasn't been a big um, effort uh, to do that. At, at this point in time. The other question has to do with what you wanted to take a look at next, which is how will Bill Belichick handle this? What What is Bill thinking? Here's my question to you on it, Greg. You wrote your list of, of things that you think Bill would have to do when the season was over to keep his gig. And you mentioned in the podcast earlier in the week that you don't believe Bill would do many of them, if any of them. But mm-hmm. what if there was one condition what if Kraft simply asked Belichick to no longer deal with personnel? If that was mm-hmm. Kraft's one condition, would Belichick acquiesce to that? Would he finally give in and say, you know what? I want to stay in New England. I've been here forever. Robert and I have a trustworthy relationship. I'll give that one thing up. It's a big thing. It's a huge mm-hmm. thing. Would he do it? It's a great question, Nick. It's something that I've asked a lot of people who know Bill Belichick. And and, and let's start off with this, is that um, nobody really knows. Bill is just, he's his own country. He really, <laughs> he's his own counsel. He doesn't yeah. talk to anybody about this stuff. And I know he's he's focused on the Chiefs and about, you know, game planning. He's not he's not sitting on the phone shooting the crap being you know, tossing out different scenarios. Like, no, he is, he is still singularly focused on his job from people that I've talked to. Um, I have asked that question of a lot of people. Um, there's a couple of different responses that I've gotten. Um, most of them say no. I mean, it's not an unequivocal no, but a lot of them, uh, they think you're just you're just inviting you're just inviting a lot more drama into the mix if you decide to do that that you know so 
you're going to have Bill Belichick back, who's going to be pissed off that somebody else is is over overseeing him. Now, let's look at the different scenarios. Like in, in my column, I brought up that the Crafts could bring in somebody who he knows that he's right. worked with. Yep. And like a Dave Ziegler, John Robinson, Thomas Dimitrov, you know, what have you. Um, the response that I got from that, from, from people who are familiar with Belichick and the way Patriots do things is that the Belichick wouldn't, those people don't have enough gravitas for Bill to either respect them or for those people to really do their job autonomously from Bill Belichick. They would always sort of go back to, I was an underling on Bill. Like they, that would just be their, their default mode. And that's not good for the team. It's not good for anybody. Um, really the only way that that would happen or the only way that that would work for the New England Patriots is if they brought in somebody who is unaffiliated with Bill who comes in and runs personnel. And if that happens, then how is Bill going to deal with that? Like, is that going to be good for anybody? And and nobody thinks that that would be healthy for the organization, for the team, for anything. Bill would be you know, pissed off that, that some of his power is gone. He's probably had to take a pay cut at that time. And now he's, he's having to deal with whatever players, some guy he doesn't know gives him. Not a lot of people think that that scenario uh, could happen, that it's in the realm of possibility um, at all. I mean, I, I, you know, me personally, you know, like I wrote in my column, it's, it's the only way I see things working um, that, if somebody else is, is picking the groceries because Bill can't do it anymore. And that's, that's why they're here. That's the biggest reason why they're here. It's not the only reason, but it's the biggest reason. And I, I just, that's the only way I see it working. And I, I think, I think, you know, related to what you said about, you know, the Jonathan Kraft video where Jonathan's just like, we're, we're not that good. We, you know, we're not good. Whatever he said. Um, I think the crafts realize it and they have realized it. And you look at Robert's quotes over the years, over the recent times about like the free agency splurge and how they didn't think they got much out of that and how you have to draft. And so the crafts know that the biggest problem, the reason why the Patriots have fallen off is not Bill's game coaching and running a team. It's his personnel control. So if you, if, that's the biggest reason why I think if they made the decision, that's the reason that they were just like Jonathan and Robert look at the team. We're just like, we're just not that good anymore. And that's just a fact. They aren't that good anymore. I remember you and I were having discussions about the roster, I think early on in training camp. And, and, you know, I think we both voiced the opinion of, and I think the headline of the podcast was this roster stinks and (laughs) it does. And, you know, they have some good players on defense, and a lot of their building blocks on this team are on defense. That's because yeah. Bill, that's Bill's wheelhouse. But as far as building a team, Bill Belichick is incapable of doing that anymore. I don't see Bill allowing somebody else in that building to choose the future at quarterback. I don't see it. I don't see him sitting there saying, oh, okay, so you want to take uh, you want to take Drake May? Good. Sounds good to me. I, I don't see it. I He's not going to allow that big of a decision to be made without him making it because that has to directly impact his career, his record, the Shula record, all of that. Don't see it happening. Question I have for you, Greg. 
I don't think any of us know what the hell's going to happen here once the season ends uh, and how this is going to break apart. And we'll get to Mayo in a, in a few minutes. But I want to look at the contract. If the contract has certain language and gives Kraft some latitude to pull personnel from Bill and put him in an uncomfortable position, I think that's what we really need to know. That That's the kernel of information that's missing here. Mm-hmm. But I see people say, Bill's not going to allow this to happen. And and I understand I understand that part. I would push back on that, though. And I, I did a podcast on the Nick Cattle Show, my own pod, going back a couple weeks ago about how if this was to, to come to pasture here, it's an ownership deal. And I understand the idea of Bill saying, I don't want to go. I don't want. But precedent has been set. Other head coaches, big named head coaches have been traded it's six or seven trades in the last 20, 25 years. The latest was Sean Payton. There's been this situation before when a coach doesn't necessarily want to coach there anymore, but he's under contract and they're trying to get rid of him. And people say, well, what, what if he just doesn't want to go and it'll force the team to fire him. But usually things get worked out. And I know Belichick could, could play hardball and all of that, but usually things get worked out. And I, my own personal opinion, don't know how you feel about this, Greg. That's because of ownership. Ownership does not like egg on their face. Owners like to protect other owners in situations. And if Belichick says, if if they come to a, a meeting of the minds and say, we got to part ways, then, then I think the most likely path is that you go off of precedent because that's what owners do in the league. And, they, and, and Kraft would say, look, this has happened, Bill, time and time again. It just happened with Sean, who's a friend of Belichick's. It just happened with Sean last offseason. We need something for you. And so that's what I go back to. And I haven't heard that a lot. Like, we've got to think about the upper tier conversation. Bill's not in this negotiation. Bill can say, hey, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to go there. I don't want to coach there. But inevitably, working out a trade and working out a deal, that's an owner-to-owner thing. And usually what we've seen is that no matter what the contractual status is, dude's under contract, he gets traded. Yeah. Yeah. Um... So related to that, Nick, uh, you know, a couple things that I can tell you that I do know. Um, Ooh, number one is that their teams, their organizations have already started sniffing around Bill Belichick. I don't know how many. I don't know which ones, but I could tell you that that's happened. Now, do I think they've had direct contact with Bill? I highly doubt that. Um, but. At least there's some maneuvering. Hey, would you, you know, do you think Bill would be interested in it, that sort of thing? I know that's that's happened. Um, yeah, I do think you're wise to bring up the contract extension because I had this thought the other day and nobody told me this. It was just, you know, a thought that popped into my mind. I know a lot of people were consumed by the contract extension and why would the crafts do that? And, what you know, could it just have been business as usual with Bill? Like he gets to a certain point on his contract and they add on two more years or what have you. Yeah, that was, that's probably the most likely scenario, but but what if it was this? What if they gave Bill the extra year because after the disaster and also something that I know is that the crafts were like, they were okay with the Cam Newton year. They got their group back with free agency and Mac Jones, a promising year with a rookie quarterback you know, free agency, um, tweaks to the draft. They thought they were going in the right direction. And then Bill made his decisions once McDaniels left to do what he did with the offensive coaching staff. 
and that derailed last season. Do I I know that pissed off the Crafts. And we've talked about it before that the Crafts were not 100% sold on bringing Bill back after that. They needed to hear the right things. But what if that what if part of all that discussion and about you know Bill's future and the extension, what if they said, "Okay, okay Bill, we we believe in you for another year. We're going to give you another year, but we want we want to tweak your contract." We yeah. want to work some language in. Yep. We want either whether it was buyout or personnel control or coaching staff control. We want to change some of the language because we all know we see the end. The end game could be coming soon, later. We don't know. But as part of like, it's time for us to do your contract again. This is what we want in return. We're giving you 2024 a contract extension. To me, I think, I think that's that's very possible. Yeah, and and. You know, everybody talks about Belichick's leverage in this situation. Not many people are bringing up Kraft's. I, like, I believe Robert Kraft is a very smart man. I think he's a very smart businessman. And, yeah, I'm sure there's things in the contract that help protect Bill. But I'm also sure that Robert Kraft has some things in that contract that protect him and the organization. You bet I, your ass. I, I, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's foolish to just believe that Kraft would walk in there and be like, all right, well, Bill, we're just going to let you go and, uh, you know, have a good time. Again, owners are not like that, man. I'm telling you, owners respect precedent. That's why they never get kicked out of the damn league unless they do something atrocious or truly terrible like Daniel Snyder. Like, they stand up for each other. They take bullets for each other. And Kraft does not want to set the precedent of a, of, a, of a coach leaving on a contract and not getting anything for him, especially when that coach is seen as the greatest of all time, just like Brady walked without anything in return. I'd also mention this, Greg. Before we get to Mayo, as part of the Mayo story, Graziano brought up ESPN.com, Dan Graziano. He brought up that the plan was, and this goes into what you just said, the plan was two more years of Bill, Mayo in 25. So with the transition of putting more on Mayo's plate, I think it's a legitimate question, Greg. How was the front office handled? If you're figuring out the transition and you're figuring out to the point where Mayo is going to take over 2025, then what was the conversation about the, the personnel part? Was it Belichick was going to stay on as the czar, as the personnel guy? Like you said, I, I can't imagine the Crafts would think that given the recent drafts he had, and Kraft has talked about how frustrated he was at times. So I can't imagine that was the case. So as part of that transition with Mayo, I do wonder, like you're saying, was there something in the contract that was put in there when they reworked it, gave them that year, and they said, okay, look, if it doesn't work out, there's got to be a split here. And I think Bill would understand that. I really do. So th there's just a lot that we don't know, and uh, it it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out. Yeah. It, Nick, uh, you know, let, let's dive into that, uh, you know, after the break, because I do there, – there are a couple things about um, – Bill and sort of his role in the end game and what people think he's going to do that um, I, I haven't really gotten into. And also, you know, let's talk about Mayo and how how sure do we think that he is the successor going forward? Score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get one hundred and fifty dollars in bonus bets with any winning five dollar money line bet. That's one hundred fifty bucks if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. 
There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. I love the app. I use it all the time, all over the place. So visit FanDuel.com Boston and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. 21 plus and present in mass. Hope is here. First online real wager only. $5 pregame money line wager required. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued at non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling helpline ma.org or call 1-800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start. GameSenseMA.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234. All right, Greg, you mentioned before the break that you wanted to uh, discuss a couple of things as far as Bill and the end game. Then we'll get to Mayo. First, your thoughts on Bill. So um, one thing that, that, I, that I wanted to, um, to make sure that I said, and look, sort of like what we were just talking about with the contract, we don't know what kind of contract tweaks were done with his extension that you know might control things. But as far as people who know Bill, who know of Bill, who um, talking to them this week, they are almost in lockstep saying that there is very little chance that if the crafts think they're going to get an elegant solution, that that's going to happen. They just don't think that's, they they just don't think that's in the realm of possibility. They think that, um, they think that bill is going to basically force craft to make a decision that bill's going to make craft fire him. Um, because he is, you know, and Kraft might be like, well, you know, Bill, we worked out this deal with, you know, J- Jonathan has talked to his Harvard Law School buddy, Josh Harris at the Commanders, and he's willing to do this for that. And I, I, I think, I think Bill would, I think Bill still would say like that, that the Commanders would be interested in, in trading for you for a second round pick. You get to keep your contract and your compensation level and everything. Your contract just goes over there. And I think that Bill would say, I don't need your help on my contract. I can make my own contract. I mean, I just don't understand what people people are trying to illustrate to me. Like, there's no upside for Bill other than to do Robert a solid. And does anybody think that Bill Belichick really cares one way or the other about doing a solid for 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 Robert Kraft, a guy who is essentially firing him after winning six Super Bowl titles for him? You know, I don't think so. So, um a lot of people think that the the end game for Belichick is that he is going to force Kraft to either keep him pretty much as is, or he's going to have to fire him. Now he might agree to certain language in the release. Oh, we have decided to part ways, but most people think if Bill's not here next year, at the end of the day, it would be a firing. Which goes back to the contract stuff. That we mentioned earlier, though, mm-hmm. I just I wonder if yep. Kraft if Kraft has an out and he can go to Bill and say, look, this is in your contract. So here's the deal. You're either going to coach with no say on personnel or you're going to have to sit for this next season like that. That's how it is. That That's the way it's going to be. It's all about what is in that contract and how much leverage each side has. And if Kraft has some power to say, I have the ability to change your job functionally. And you are either going to coach this team with no personnel say, or we're going to trade you somewhere where you can get the power that you want, Bill. And if those two options, you don't like them, 
I don't know. Maybe Kraft will say, you know what? You can sit then. I'll pay you. I'll pay you out. You're, you're 72 years old. You sit this season. Then, then try to get a job at 73. We'll play that game. We'll see. Again, there's been a lot of coaches that have had power, had contracts, all that stuff. Precedent is they get traded. I, I, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, Belichick plays hardball. That's that's who he is. That's what he does. I, I think it'd be, you know, it'd be unfortunate if that's how it played out. But I, I think that Bill is, is he's mm-hmm. already greasing the skids to get out of town if he's gone. He's already setting up the scapegoats, the Greg Hill interview, all these things that he has said over the past few weeks, I think is to set the stage to have no blame on him so he can go somewhere else and say, yeah, but I had Mac Jones. Yeah, but I had this. Yeah, but I had that. Let's get to Mayo. Graziano wrote about uh, Gerard Mayo this week. Not 100% certain to be the guy, Greg, part of this report, uh, and that this season may be causing Kraft to rethink the succession plan of Belichick to Mayo. Uh, I would agree with that. Um, in fact, I would probably be a little bit stronger on it. I would say that... Um, and again, I'm just relaying what I've been told by people who know of the situation behind the scenes. I they the the universal belief is that the chances of Gerard Mayo succeeding Bill Belichick to be head coach next season are low. Um huh. you know, for for a couple of different reasons. Um I would say, and I'm trying to be careful on how I term this because I don't want to get aggregated to all hell like Tommy Curran and things like that. Um, you know, I'll just say that he, he Mayo has, and, and I don't know if this is going to get to the crafts or not as far as what's going on behind the scenes. I don't know if anybody's telling them. I don't know if the crafts are doing, I assume they're going to do their due diligence like we talked about talking to outside people, you know, maybe people inside the building. I mean, I would think that they would do this at some point. I don't know if they have. But I'll just say that I think that Gerard this season, and I don't know if this went on before this or this is just the season after his contract extension, getting a little bit more juice, all that stuff. I think we talked earlier about, I think in training camp, I had I had heard from someone who said it was a weird dynamic in the building between, you know, you had Bill Belichick, who's sort of playing out the string at this point. You have Gerard Mayo, who thinks he's going to be the next guy. And you have Bill O'Brien, who thinks he should be the guy, whether it's, there or someplace else that yeah. he's a he's a head coach caliber guy so there's a weird dynamic i've just been told that mayo has rubbed some people the wrong way um this season behind the scenes um on the staff things like that now i i don't know i'm not going to give any specifics i'm just telling you what has been relayed to me and again i will also point this out this could be People, some people with agenda. I will say the universal opinion of Mayo is that he is going to be a head coach someday. Just about everybody thinks now is too soon for him. And the other component of this, as far as if they move on from Bill, who succeeds Bill, is, you know, it's not really in the Crafts, Crafts MO. Now we don't have we don't have a big selection. We have Pete Carroll, then they bring in Bill Belichick. So there was one. You know, if this if this if this thing's going down the hill, and it's gone downhill recently, which we all know through losing season three out of the last four years, is it really wise to be like, okay, well, our solution to that is to 
is to hire somebody who's on that staff to be the next head coach. That doesn't make a whole lot of sense, um, especially, and I think we've had this discussion where I've been like, look, if if it's just going to be, Bill's going to be gone, yet everything else is pretty much staying intact, maybe a few more tweaks to the coaching staff, to the front office, and you're swapping out Bill Belichick for a Gerard Mayo, I even I said at the time, sorry, I'm not interested. I'd rather keep Bill. So, you know, when when they hired Pete, when, when they moved on from Pete Carroll, they didn't promote from Pete Carroll's staff. They didn't just hand it over to, you know, whoever was there at the time, right. one of their coordinators or what have you. They brought in Bill Belichick. So the 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 opinion from people that I've talked to is that if they do move on from Bill, they would love to keep Gerard and maybe he's the defensive coordinator, but it's going to be somebody else and it's going to be at least somewhat from the outside. I mean, to me, and I'm not saying this is likely or that I've heard this from anybody. This is strictly in my own mind, but if I'm the crafts, I probably think the best thing for this franchise is Mike Vrabel's the head coach. Gerard Mayo's the defensive coordinator. Bill O'Brien is the offensive coordinator. Vrabel worked for O'Brien um, in Houston. Uh, Vrabel gets to pick who the personnel person is. And to me, that's that's almost the best case scenario for Vrabel as a de- quote-unquote defensive head coach because you have Billy O'Brien as offensive coordinator who, like, let's, let's be honest, probably isn't going to be on the short list of a lot of jobs um, in the coming years. So that gives some stability for having a defensive head coach. Again, that's just me, my opinion. There's a lot to unpack there. <laughs> I, <laughs> Sorry. I, that's all right. I, I was going to, I was going to say when we first started the conversation, but fortunately you kind of, you, you answered this somewhat because I, I just did my pod earlier today and I had mentioned, I actually think 2023 helps Gerard Mayo's case of being the next guy given what we've seen, you know, the fact that the defense hasn't quit guys are competing hard. The game plans have been pretty damn good for most of this season. Uh, They've, they've really produced without their two best players in Gonzalez and Judon. There seems to be Mm -hmm. buy-in from pretty much everybody across the board in Mayo as a coach on that side of the football. I, I, I couldn't see why this year would be an indictment on Mayo since the defense is the one that's showing up week to week. And since there has been compete and buy-in, but what you just brought to the table makes things interesting. You know, if he, if he's rubbing people the wrong way, I'm glad you did bring up the idea though, that this could be agenda driven. Let's remember, as I said earlier in the podcast, when a team stinks, when the season's gone bad, people talk. And it's like Mm -hmm. that. It's like that television show. And I haven't seen the last two episodes yet. So nobody ruin it for me. But it's like succession where, you know, you're watching the show and everybody's got knives out at certain points. And so I just feel like there are agendas in that building right now. People are going to try to save their careers. They're going to try to save their jobs. We always have to be mindful of that. Doesn't mean that Greg's information is wrong. We just have to make sure, you know, to, to point that out that, hey, look, there, there could be different reasons why people are saying these kinds of things. It's interesting you said that, you know, the, the universal opinion is that Mayo's will be a head coach one day, but not necessarily right now. There seems to be a sea change. 
because everything up until like the last week or so, what I've heard from, I believe, Burt Breer, Phil Perry, Tom Curran, everybody's been saying, unless there's like some late change for some kind of dramatic reason or whatever, Gerard Mayo is going to be the guy. So I, I find it interesting that there is some sea change happening now. And I don't know who's trying to change the quote unquote narrative around Mayo, but there does seem mm-hmm. to be somebody or some people talking to try to slow that roll down. I find that interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Nick, I, I, you know, I, I totally agree. And, and, you know, good job by you, you know, sort of pointing out, um, you know, the inherent biases and I'm just trying to be fair. That's all you can do as a reporter. Right. You're, you, you're totally right to point out that, you know, like game of game of Thrones, the stakes are never higher in this organization about what's going to happen about futures for people. Like there's a lot of shifting dynamics and like, I think I'm getting really good information from people who have never shot me wrong, but I'm, I just can't rule out the possibility that, you know, there are agendas behind the scenes to, you know, it might be good for me. If this person does that, it might be good for me. If the Patriots do this, like, I I just, I just want to be honest with people, this is not reporting is not an exact science. I wish it was. Um, it's not. I can only convey what I hear and then also give you sort of the background to make your own judgment as a reader, as a listener. That's that's all I can do. I mean, I've certainly reported on a lot of big stories in my career. This is very similar to me. I'm starting to get these feelings of Nick Saban's exit from Al- uh, from the Dolphins to Alabama in 2006, bleeding into 2007. Um, you know, very similar circumstances. You know, it's a, it's a long time ago. I will say I was ahead of the curve on a lot of that stuff. A lot, I've made a lot of my bones uh, on that story. And I can just tell you, um, you know, learned a lot of lessons from that. And, and it's informed a lot of things that I've done, but it's just these stories Man, they they are a bear to report, and, and I'm just I'm just trying to tell people I'm I'm just trying to I'm trying to do my best and give the people the information, color it in different ways so that they can make their judgments at the end of the day. But I, I am conveying if I'm conveying something to you is from people that I trust. Can I trust them in this circumstance? Nobody knows because the stakes have never been higher for this organization. Very fair and. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Before we get to the Chiefs game, I do want to mention that uh, I, I do want to mention that Vrabel was brought up in the Graziano column as well. And so he was. Yes, okay, he was. And so um, part of that, I'll try to pull up the note right now. But, part, you know, part of the idea is. Graziano and, and a lot of others, including, you know, including Greg, they, they've mentioned this idea of Rabel. And when there's smoke, there's fire. So uh, there's a reason why Vrabel keeps being brought up. <laughs> That's what I'll say. Yeah, I, well, I will say on Vrabel, I'm not 
I'm not backing down. I know my reporting made a lot of waves in Tennessee. Um, you know, I got, I've been called certain names um, about it, but I do think I, you know, and I think the world of, uh, of Mike as a person and as a coach, we just saw it the other night. I mean, I do think he has his limitations as a defensive coach, just like Bill Belichick, but I, I do stand by that. My understanding it it would be it would be worth it for the for the crafts to check in on Vrabel after the season that he might not love his situation in Tennessee and going forward. Now, whether the the Amy Adams Strunk would play with that, the uh, play along with that as the Titans owner, I know she loves him. I don't know, but to me, I would expect the crafts to check in on Vrabel once a decision is reached with Belichick one way or the other. Here's what uh, Graziano wrote just to close up that loop there. Mike Vrabel is among the other names mentioned in league circles as a potential candidate to succeed Belichick, though there's no indication a split between him and the Titans is imminent. So, But he does mention him. He gets him mm-hmm. out there. One other note before we get to the Chiefs, I promise we're going long today, but it's great content in my in my humble, biased opinion. Mike Lombardi was just on Pat McAfee. And we know that Lombardi has lots to say when it comes to Belichick and Mac Jones. Mm-hmm. And he was asked about the Tom Curran. I can't listen to the full clip, obviously, because I'm in the middle of doing the pod with you. But McAfee just tweeted out, uh, you know, a comment from Lombardi talking about the Curran story. Lombardi said, I don't think Tom Curran would have put the story out unless he felt really comfortable with it. I think the timing tells me that the real message is we're not going to fire Bill Belichick during the season. I don't want to read too much into that, but Lombardi's not pushing back on the idea. So it makes you, no. it makes you wonder if uh, I think that makes Curran's report look even better. Honestly, I think if Lombardi, if Lombardi thought that, th- that this was not even, you know, a possibility, he has no problem pushing back hard. And it doesn't seem like, yeah, yeah, I haven't heard the whole clip, but from the from mm-hmm. the quote on the tweet, it doesn't seem like he was pushing back hard on that, Greg. Uh, yeah, I would I, I would agree with that, and I'm eager to hear what Mike has to say. I, you know, I always do, especially on all things Belichick. I will say that, um, you know, similar to what I said before, and, and about you know how Mike and Bill talk. Um, you know, it's always about. I, I I don't know if I don't know if Lombardi and Belichick would have discussed that yeah. about his future. I think their discussions would have about been about the team, and about the Chiefs, and that's about it. So, all right, let's get to the Chiefs. Speaking of them, can Bailey Zappi take advantage of this Kansas City defense on Sunday, Greg? So, it's a good question. I don't know. I don't think so. Um, but I will say this: that you know, and. And in my course of talking to, you know, people around the league, around the Patriots uh, about the state of the team and sort of where they're going, I'm asking them about Zappy, how he did against the Steelers and things like that. Um, Everybody, everybody, the Steelers game was one thing. They think the the Steelers are crap, their scheme, the personnel, like it was like they weren't overly impressed with that. They do think like, you know, his... His scramble, his first throw to Hunter, his first touchdown to Hunter Henry, like, you know, really good stuff. The the popular opinion or the, the consensus is just what I've told you. The Juju Smith-Schuster play and the second Hunter Henry play were fortunate. I mean, good that he made the throws, but pretty fortunate. And it being the Steelers, the Steelers, there's not a, 
not a lot of people think very highly of the Steelers. However, they do think if Zappi goes out there against this Chiefs defense, against Steve Spagnuolo, um, Chris Jones, uh, the cornerback, what's his name, who I uh, love, uh, Trent McDuffie, um, you know, their safety, Reed, linebacker, I think Bolton's back. If Zappi goes out there and performs this weekend, puts up points against the Chiefs, if he does really well, that's going to impress a lot of people. This is this this is basically to me this is Zappi's career right here. If he goes out hmm. and performs well against the Chiefs, that's going to open up a lot of eyes around the league and whether that's in New England or beyond, it's going to open up avenues for him. Most expect Zappi to struggle in this game. The Chiefs do a lot of, you know, blitzing. They do a lot of corner cat blitzes. Spagnolo will throw crap up against the wall, and they don't expect the Patriots, A, to block it up or Zappy to decipher it. But if he does, and I'm totally leaving the, uh, that possibility open, uh, people around the league will be duly impressed. Two things to mention here, and it's not to take away from Zappy. Look, if Zappy's good on Sunday, he's good on Sunday. We'll talk about it. I'll give him credit. I've said this before. I'll say it again. If Bailey Zappi could prove the football world wrong and prove to the world that he's a starting quarterback in the NFL, that's fantastic news for the Patriots. You got to pay that guy under a million dollars next year, and you could put all of the money and draft picks towards the other holes offensively. Man, oh man, is that a huge stroke of fortune in the in the right side there for for the Pats? But I will bring up two things. They've had extra time to prepare, so. We have mm-hmm. to keep that in mind. And I thought Michael Hurley from CBS Boston did a good job. He wrote about the differences of this Kansas City defense at home and on the road. Their past defense has been much different statistically on the road than at home. So you wonder if that's just kind of a freak thing or if that's something to keep an eye on Sunday that we should really pay attention to. As far as the Chiefs offense, Greg, what's wrong there? A couple things. Um, It really starts with personnel. Um, I think that, you know, the the receivers have just, you know, gone downhill. I mean, you know, people will be like, yo, look at Mahomes isn't that good, you know, without Tyreek and all this. Okay, first of all, he won a Super Bowl with Tyreek. But he he, he won a Super Bowl with elite Travis Kelsey. I don't think Kelsey's been right since he got hurt very early on in the season, maybe in the first game, like an ankle. He hasn't been the same guy. Is he still good? Yeah, but he's not what he was last year, which was completely dominating. You couldn't even double team him. He's not that same guy. And then, you know, the the rest of the lineup has taken a step back. I mean, from, you know, Juju was productive there last year as like a number three and, and, you know, the personnel doesn't have, hasn't worked out not having Pacheco last week was that that's also tough for them to overcome. I think we, we recognize now that Clyde Edwards Hilaire is not who we thought he was coming out in the draft. That he's going to be the super dynamic running back. He's terrible. Um, and that Pacheco, my guy from Rutgers, I was just going to say Rutgers bias. Everybody keep that in mind. That's right. Um, (laughs) You know, he's just the dude's dynamic. He's a playmaker. And I think that, um, and also because of the issues with weapons, Mahomes 
has had to play almost entirely out of structure this year. Like every play that they make, it's him running around making a play. They got into that um, problem a couple years ago. When he's at his best, they have enough weapons that he can just drop back and get rid of it and distribute the ball. He can't do that anymore with these weapons, a lesser Kelsey, no Pacheco out there. It's just, yeah, they're just they're just not that good. And and there's there's a ceiling to how much a great quarterback can do. I mean, just look at some of Brady's lean years when he had crap to work with, like in Denver in that AFC championship game in 2019. Like, there's only so much these guys can do. Quarterback is the most dependent position in all of football. Said it before, say it again. No matter how good you are at that position, you need others to work and others to help you to ultimately be as successful as you can be. All right, let's get to the uh, let's get to the line and let's get to our pick. First, I'll tell you this episode brought to you by FanDuel, exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. New customers receive fifty dollars. Scratch that. Even better. New customers receive $150, Nick, and bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. Also, check out Greg and the fine people over at BSJ. 50 bucks for the year. Bedard, Giardi, others doing great work there. All right, the line. Chiefs giving eight and a half on the road. The over-under is 37. So <laughs> that would tell you, that would tell you Vegas does not believe the Patriots are going to score many points in this football game. So Chiefs minus eight and a half. Over under 37, Greg. Well, I'm going to let you go first, Nick, because I'm very interested um, because you were going with the I'm not picking the yes. Patriots until they win a game, yes. which I adopted that last week. And, and I felt, yep, I did. I totally jinxed you. So I, I want to give you the floor and then I'll give you my pick. I was 3-0 and until Greg flaps his gums last week. All right, <laughs> I'm going to go. Uh, the Pats did win last week, so the edict is over. I'm gonna th- I'm gonna go with the Patriots. I I think they can stay within the eight and a half points. I I think they can keep this Chiefs offense to twenty points or less. I honestly do. The, the Chiefs are now, of course, turnovers can happen, and if Zappy throws a pick six and it, that, but I'm going into this game. I think the Patriots defense can do enough against this Chiefs offense, which you brought up is limited. I think they can do enough to keep the Chiefs around twenty, and. I think the Patriots can score 13. So I'll, I'll go 20-13, Chiefs win. I'll take the 8.5 points. And, of course, with 33 being the final, that's the under 37, Greg. So we are in the same ballpark, but I'm going a slightly different way. Um, I think it will be close for a while. Um, I do think that the Patriots' defense will do a good job against this Chiefs um, offense. I think they will hold them down. I do think they'll hold them to 20, just like you said. The problem is, I don't think the Patriots are going to score very much. I have this 20 to 10, so I am Ooh. going with the Chiefs to cover and the under. Man, I got 20 to 13. Greg's got 20 to 10. We don't talk about this stuff before we get on here. Mm-hmm. Alright, we'll see how it all works out. Sunday, Chiefs, Patriots, 1pm kickoff. No more Monday Night Football, of course. Uh, We will be back here early next week to recap that game. Until then, have a great weekend. Be safe. Have some fun. He's Greg. I'm Nick. See you.